Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to our teaching podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website at sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for this week. Great to see you guys as December has started and so has a new series. If you're joining us online, thank you for taking the time to do that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys at one of our services eventually. Um, You guys are probably aware that uh, your New Testament has four biographies of the life of Jesus. They're called the Gospels, and that's right in the beginning of your New Testament. And today, we're going to start a journey, as Craig uh, noted, through the third one in your New Testament. It's called the Gospel of Luke. And I say journey intentionally because that's what we're going to do. We're going to study it from the beginning to the end, from Christmas to Easter. So... You know, our mission here at Sunridge, we take from the Great Commission that Jesus gave his followers in the first century to help others find and follow Jesus. And as we do that ourselves, we invite others to walk the path with us. And so we are quite literally going to follow Jesus through the scriptures as the best we can 2,000 years later. We're going to start here in December by at the beginning of Luke and, and roll into the Christmas story, the coming, the birth of Christ. And then by January, we're going to be looking at the ministry of Jesus, his death, and we're going to culminate with the resurrection on Easter Sunday. So what's unique, one of the things that's unique about Luke's gospel is it has all these pieces for us so that we can do that. But in order to accomplish this, We're going to have to take some pretty large sections of scripture each week, and um, you're going to get to choose how much you want to get out of this. I know you do that already, right? Some of you are already doodling as I've already, as soon as I've started talking. Of course, you know, um, if all you do is listen to the messages, you're going to learn something. I promise you that it's going to be such a great journey to walk with Jesus from now until Easter But we have some other things that are going to accompany this study. And I invite you, as you have time or you're, you know, whatever level of intensity you want to be a part of this, to join us in some of these. So obviously, we've started already with our Advent practices. And so that's kind of a traditional thing that we do here. And then, of course, at Easter, we'll be doing a Holy Week practice, some of the things that we've learned, that we learned this past summer And then uh, accompanying that, as you already know too, if you're following this, is we have scriptures to read along with it. And right now we're looking at various passages that contribute to the story of Jesus' birth. But once we get into Luke's gospel, I mean into the ministry of Jesus, beginning in January, we're going to have readings uh, so that you get to read every passage that that, uh, is part of that week's study. And then I'll teach, or, you know, whoever's teaching will teach on a particular section of that. We also want to invite you to, if you're not familiar with the Bible Project, how many of you know the Bible Project? 
Okay, they have great videos. You guys, this is such a great resource, and, and you know, they, they have done a series on Luke. And so we're gonna invite you at the appropriate time to like, to like check out one of those videos. So go to bibleproject.com, and this week check out that first video in the Luke Acts series. Um, and then we have, you'll, we'll unpack this a little further later in the message, but um, narrative questions. So there's a way to study the Bible and questions that when you are trying to learn from the scripture, there's a way to like process what you're learning. And so we're gonna invite you to think about those questions. And then in your life groups, those of you that are part of life groups, you're gonna be intentionally talking about those questions. So we have all these accompaniments to what we're gonna be talking about on Sunday mornings. Now full disclosure today, we're not gonna even get to the Christmas story. It's gonna take a little while, but we will, we will keep it timed during December. Today, I wanna talk about the, the author of this book and what he says about why he wrote it. So I wanna introduce you to Luke. So who was Luke? Well, you, you may know this already, but he was a physician who assisted the Apostle Paul. How many of you knew that Luke was a physician? He was a doctor, okay. That's mentioned several times, and you know you see him connected with Paul's missionary work. Luke never met Jesus personally. Instead, he walked and worked closely with those who did. So Luke is not one of the 12 disciples. Luke is the only Gentile author of a book in the New Testament. So think about that. You know, there's, there are people who came from the Jewish religion and began to, began to follow Jesus in the first century. And then there are people that they just had no religious background or maybe a pagan background. That's who Luke is. He's a Gentile author, and he's the only one. So that's like, that's pretty much, that's very unique, right? He is, he is not just the author of Luke, but also of Acts. That's like after the four Gospels. It might say in your Bible, the Acts of the Apostles. It's the history of the church. And so that by volume, Luke is the biggest contributor to the New Testament. Almost a third of your New Testament was written by Luke. So even though he just contributes these two books, his writings represent the most of any author in the New Testament. So if you compare him to the Apostle Paul, say, which you should be familiar with him, he wrote so many letters, and you'd think like he would be a standout. He's only at 23%. That's all the copy Paul got. So Luke, Luke is much more prolific, or he has a lot more to say. And his gospel, not by chapters, but by volume, by, by words, is the longest gospel of all. So Luke's contribution to Christianity then and today, um, not just in total volume, volume, but it's huge. You see, his other book, Acts, as I've mentioned, is the only biblical history of the first century church. The only biblical history of the first century church. What do I mean by that? You see, we have the four gospels, right, which are like historical records or biographies of Jesus, and then following that, you have all these letters, right? First Corinthians and First Peter that we just studied. And these are all letters written 
in the first century to specific people or to specific churches to tell them how to live out the gospel in their community, in their time. But Acts tells us the history of how those churches formed. So think about it. Let's say that in your Bible, you didn't have 2 Corinthians. Eh, I know, you can't, a pastor should not say that. I believe in the full canon of Scripture, I just want to say. But here's what's unique about Acts. If we didn't have Acts, we'd be reading these letters about things that happened in different places. We'd be written by people like Paul, and we'd go, who is Paul? And how did, how did these churches form? And like Acts is the only biblical account we have of that. So without that book, Luke's contribution, there'd be a huge hole in our understanding of how the church was formed and, of course, how we understand the gospel today. So that's Luke. He's a unique guy. But his gospel is really unique, too among the other Gospels. I mean, Luke contains stories no other Gospel does. So, Luke alone has given us so many of the stories and teachings that we love. So, without Luke, here's what we'd be missing. We didn't have Luke's Gospel. We wouldn't hear, have the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, which we're gonna look at next week. Um, we would miss the angel's announcement to Mary. Basically, the first two chapters of Luke are entirely unique and not repeated in the other Gospels. You would never have heard, without Luke, you would never hear about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. You would never hear about the thief on the cross. And you would never hear about the post-resurrection story that Lisa talked about last week, about Jesus meeting some men on the road to Emmaus. And then some of our favorite parables, our favorite stories from the Bible, we wouldn't have without Luke, like the one that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector praying next to each other, or the rich man and Lazarus, or even the prodigal son. And all this from a Gentile. These unique stories have been captured by Luke because of this next thing I want to talk about. And this is, this is where we're going to really settle today in the scripture. Luke's gospel is unique in how and why it was written. Luke's approach and how he writes his record is unique how he wrote it and why he wrote it. Let's look at what he says about how he wrote it. You know, this, these first few verses that Craig read at the start of our service today are commonly referred to, maybe even in your Bible, it'll say an introduction to Luke. It is not an introduction. It's a preface. My mom was an honors English teacher. So this is one thing that I know. When an introduction to a book introduces readers um, to the main topics of the book or the manuscript, and it prepares you for what you can expect. But a preface is always written by the author, and it tells you how and why the book came into being. And this is like what Luke says here is really fascinating because he tells us the process he went through 
to write his gospel. Look, let's, I'm gonna put a pat, the, these verses up on the screen and we're just gonna like click through some of the key thoughts that Luke gives us about how, how and why he wrote this gospel. In fact, the title of this message is Why I Wrote This, which that's Luke saying it, not me, just in case you're getting confused here. First of all, he says many have undertaken to drop an account, right? Many have done that. So Luke right away is indicating that other people are creating the same thing that he is doing. They're pulling together stories about Jesus' life. Some of them you're very aware of, the other gospels, right? We're gonna talk about how they relate to each other in a little bit here. But there are others that we know, like the Gospel of Thomas and other things that have not made it into the canon of scripture, but other people are doing it. We have the synoptic gospels, which means summary of Jesus' life. There are three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and of course, Luke. And then John's is an outlier. It's not considered a summary in the same way. It doesn't share the same space that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. So Luke isn't the first to write about Jesus. He tells us that. But his process or his approach to telling his story is really unique. It, and not just that he, he tells us how he did it. That's unique. But I think it's really unique in like our understanding of how the scripture comes to us. He says that the bio, his biography was handed down. Like these, there were the things that he's bringing to us, like these are things that are circulating by two groups of people. First of all, he says eyewitnesses, right? So there are eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. And Luke does not have that experience, remember. But Matthew and John have an eyewitness account. So when they sit down to write their gospel, they, ha they have these stories that they've lived. The, a comparison to this would be like your parents. You, you know stories of your parents' upbringing, right? You weren't there when your mom and dad were six or eight and they tell you these stories. I mean, my mom grew up on a farm in southern Ohio near the border of Kentucky and you know, her dad was the sheriff, a farmer, and eventually the mayor of the city of MacArthur, Ohio. And um, so she has all these stories about what it was like to grow up on that farm. And she, and she talks about um, how important education was to her mom, which is how unusual was that in the 1920s and 30s for a mom to be stressing all of her daughters in particular would go to college. And so my mom did. She has stories about one of her cousins accidentally cutting the fingers off of her other cousin when they were playing with a hatchet. And that's a great story too. So that's maybe why her mom wanted her to get an education, I don't know. But. And then my dad, he, has all these, he had all these, both my parents are gone now. So. These are like, I'm the last one that can tell the story, you know, other than my brothers and sisters. And my dad grew up really, really poor where in Akron, Ohio, where his, where his dad abandoned him. 11 brothers and sisters, and they had to be split up into, this, um, into different households. And some of them went to an uncle's house who had a farm, which is now in the city limits of Akron. And my dad's younger brother, Uncle Paul, who has also passed on, he bought that farm a 50-acre farm in, within the city limits of Akron to, because, because he was rich. He became very rich, and he wanted to 
keep that property because there were so many memories of their family. See, like I'm just telling you stories that I've heard. This is what Luke has done. He's been told these stories by people who are eyewitnesses. And then he says, and also he, he, he heard stories from who he calls servants of the word. And these are people who, um, it was their job to remember history. So remember, like, we've talked about this in Breakthrough, where, like, parchment was rare. People, you know, it was very much an oral history being passed down. This is how the traditions of the Hebrew people were passed down in the early centuries. And so you have people whose job it is to remember things and to tell these stories. The scribes are kind of like that. And so they had committed these things to memory. And so their historical record is, is something that Luke is accessing. So these are just some of the people that we find that Luke has been interviewing. So he went to the experts and he says he was really careful about those resources and what he did with them. He says, I carefully investigated. So Luke is saying he's not innovating. He's researching this. And so just imagine, like, he doesn't have Google Shocking. How does he find this stuff out? He has to travel around. He has to talk to people. He has to take notes. He has to be super intentional about going around and gathering these stories. And he says, I carefully investigated not just the part I was interested in, but he says everything from the beginning. And that's key. He's saying, I have an orderly account, uh, account of this. Like He's a historian in a way researching what has happened. You know, some scholars hypothesize that, there's a docu- that there was this document that they call- referred to as Q. And it was like different sayings of Jesus and stories that were accumulated that we don't have. That's, we don't have a record of that, but it's one of the ways that they've said, how did they remember all these things? There must have been something written. But it's also clear that Luke and the other writers of the Gospels access Mark's Gospel, which was the first one written. So he actually took these things and utilized them, and there's an interplay between the different Gospels. And this is one of the, so like I'm gonna put a slide up from, this is from Wikipedia, which it's actually helpful this time. Uh, you know, and if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true. And so, like, I, so this chart, I don't know how well you can see it. You can see a lot better on this screen. Um, but I want you to see two colors in particular. What it shows is the relationship between Mark, Luke, and Matthew. Um, but I want you to see two colors. So the purple first. You see how Mark, the purple is 76%. What the purple is showing is the shared content between those three Gospels. So 76% of Mark is found in Luke and Matthew. And so what we know from history since Mark was the first, that Luke and Matthew have used Mark's gospel as a source of theirs. And so that with Luke, there's 41%, Matthew 46% of, of what Mark has said in their gospels as well. Does that make sense? Okay, the other color I want you to see is kind of like, it's kind of a turquoise color. So, um, and under Luke, do you see that 
That turquoise is what's unique to Luke alone. It's 35%. So over a third of Luke is unique only to his gospel. Remember I said that he has stories and teachings that aren't found in the other gospels. Um, and then it's just, a, I can't even see it on there, Matthew's sliver. There's a sliver in there that you cannot see. You, oh, no, it's uh, the green there. It's like 20%, so far less unique. So by that chart, over 30% of Luke is unique to him. And as I, I mentioned some of those stories and, and things that we know that are only there, but uh, Luke is the only one who includes a story about Jesus as a boy. And he starts with a significant story, as we start to go through, we'll see that no one else captures the detailed birth of John the Baptist. So he says that I took all this information. You guys still with me? Slap your neighbor. Okay. Um, he says, I took all this and I made an orderly account. Like I put it all, he just organized it. So remember, he's a physician, right? So he's trained in the sciences, in logical thinking. And so Luke, in particular, he knows how to do this. He's an educated man. He's accustomed to testing hypotheses and researching things and applying rigorous controls. And you can even see his medical training in his writing. Luke uses... Um, and I'm not a scholar by any means. Um, you say, we know that, Britt. You don't have to keep reminding us of that. But um, the people that are smarter than I, that I read, they say that he uses language that indicates his intelligence and his education. And he uses medical terminology from the first century, unique to him in comparison to all the other Gospels, he uses that medical terminology to describe people who are ill or sick um, that Jesus heals. So you can see this coming through in the way he puts it together. How many of you guys are fans of Ken Burns? You know, the, the documentaries? Is that just my generation? I don't see any young hands going up. He did one on baseball, the Civil War, the Dust Bowl, starting to ring a bell here. I love those. Luke is the Ken Burns of the first century because all the data's there. It's all there. But he uniquely pulls it together and gives us this picture of Jesus because he takes all the effort to understand it and to collect it. And he's inspired by God to do so. So that's one thing that's unique about Luke, the how he writes his gospel. But he's also unique in the why, and we're gonna keep reading. The why here is also a who, or at least related to a who. Who is he writing this for? He says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And I'm glad I warned Craig. I said, you gotta practice that name. That's the only hard one in there so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. Now, one of the things that I'll often repeat here is the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. And this is one case where you can definitely see that Luke wrote this with an individual 
in mind, a specific person. His name is Theophilus. Who is he? Well, most God, we don't know that much about him, but he, we think that he's a Christian. I mean, his name, Theophilus, means friend of God. So that would be a bummer of a name if you were an atheist. <laughs> but he describes him as most excellent. And I know Craig wanted to put a little, most excellent, little uh, Wayne's World uh, referral there. Um, but that term is used for someone who's really important, either uh, like a magistrate or, you know, a super wealthy man. This is, Theophilus is an important individual. He might have been Luke's financial backer to do this project. He could have been just an avenue for him to, like, get with really important people or other people and get the stories, or he could have just been a respected friend that Luke wanted to help him in his faith. But for sure, Luke knows him, and he has a relationship with him. And he knows him well enough to be spending all this time writing two very large volumes about Jesus and then about the church, because even Acts starts with this indicator that it is written for Theophilus, Acts 1.1. And my former book, which would be what? Luke. Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. So Luke also writes Acts for this most excellent Theophilus. Luke tell us, tells us what he did. He tells us how he did it. And he tells us why he did it. Let's look at it again. Verse 4, he says, I wrote this for you, Theophilus, so that you would know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. Now, that makes you, that's one reason we think that Theophilus, besides his name, is already a believer. He has these things that he's been taught, but he needs certainty. So when we read through Luke, this is something to keep in mind. That there's a, like, it's going to be one of the first questions we ask in the narrative. Why did Luke think that this was important to write this down? Why did we need to know this? And part of that backstory is that he felt that Theophilus really needed to know this. So Luke tells us explicitly. Let me just summarize. He's investigated the story. He's followed it closely. He has taken a long and careful look at what he's about to tell us. And he went back to the beginning this is why he starts his story with John the Baptist, the forerunner who points to Jesus. And he says that he was thorough. He studied everything from the beginning. And this is undoubtedly why there's so much fresh material in Luke's gospel. Again, a third is unique to him. And he said he worked carefully, taking this great care to develop his orderly account so that he can tell the story in a clear way. And Luke did all this to help his friend, Theophilus. Here's my paraphrase. And if you don't get all this, like, we'll leave it up. I know sometimes we have these really long points. And if you're, trying, you can, if you're doing note sheets, you can really keep up. But like I found, like, if I use the app, you know, you got to keep going back and forth. You guys relate. And so you get lost. I just want you to know, if you go to our website and you click on the sermon in the sermon notes, the answers are there. But you should still fill them in anyway if you can. Here's my paraphrase for whatever it's worth. 
I wrote my account of Jesus' life by carefully investigating every detail I could possibly find, interviewing witnesses, compiling reliable resources, and organizing it all into a detailed account. I did this so that you, Theophilus, could be certain that Jesus is who he says he is. That's the preface to Luke's gospel. Isn't it going to be fun to study it through that lens? So let me ask you, does all of this challenge the way you have thought about Scripture? Does it, like, does it feel a little weird? In our series, Breakthrough, we talked about all, you know, me, Danny, Lisa, and Jed, we all talked about how God is breaking through to human beings through his word. Spoken word, the word of the prophets, creation, and what it says, and of course, his written word. And we have these different versions in our mind of how, how the scriptures were written. And if you, if you weren't there for the series, we, t- we talked about how sometimes we have this idea like the Bible's like the golden tablets, and you know, it's just like voila, it appears. Um, Sometimes we think of like the author being taken over in a trance and the Holy Spirit just dictating, you know, okay, no, no, you missed that. Can you back up? I missed that. And he's just typing away. They didn't type. Or, you know, some people think it was just, it's just a big conspiracy. A bunch of old guys got in a room and said, let's start a religion. And none, none of that is true. And, we, you know, so, and we said, when we talked about how the scriptures come to us, there's a human and divine side to it. And we tend to like fall, like to be all human, you know, or all divine, but just like Jesus was all human and all God, the scriptures have both influences, human and divine. And so we can see here that the Holy Spirit is working through Luke through his extremely hard work by gathering his resources and putting them together in an organized way using all the intelligence and the training that he has. And God used the fact that someone asked him, perhaps hired him, to write this account of Jesus' life. And it makes you kind of wonder, did, did the Bible authors think they were writing the Bible when they wrote the Bible? Okay, just like I thought I'd just drop that in there. Don't get distracted, I'm almost done. But don't go down that rabbit trail yet. We're gonna use the following grid as a way to process uh, Luke because so much of it is narrative. And I'm gonna put the questions up and just talk about them a little bit. So um, you may wonder, like, how does a pastor or a Bible teacher read a section and go, okay, here's, what, here's how it applies, or here's the thing. These are the questions that you're supposed to ask, according to people smarter than I, about these narrative sections. And this is what we're going to do together. This is what our Bible teachers are doing, and this is what we invite you to do with us. First one is, why do you think it was important enough for Luke to write this down? I mean, what did, why did he want us to know this? Of all the things that he could write down, why include that? And in the back, back of our minds, like, how does this give us certainty as it would give to Theophilus? Second question, what do we learn about God 
What do we learn about God? What, I mean, are there beliefs in this part of the scripture that are reinforced? Beliefs that we have is like, yeah, that's, that's affirming to what I think. And then also, like, how am I surprised about God in this narrative? And what beliefs am I being prompted to reframe or even dismantle and then rebuild based on what I'm seeing in this narrative? Thirdly, what do we learn about people? I mean, when we read the Bible, sometimes we just turn the Bible people into like these magical characters. They're just people, just like you and me. And so how are they like us? How are they different? There's a lot to learn from just watching the human beings interact with God and their culture and the challenges that life brings them and say, I could learn something from that person. Fourthly, what does this tell us about the central story of Jesus? And then lastly, what do we learn about following Jesus? Because that's, in the end, our mission, right? How, how can an ancient text, 2,000 years when it was first written, how can that come forward to help me be a Jesus follower in this day and time? And in doing so, what, what is affirmed? What is challenged? How am I being invited into a deeper relationship with Christ because of what I see in this narrative? So those are the five questions. And as we wrap up today, I want us to just think about one. Why do you think it was important to Luke to write this thing down? Why was it important for him to tell us how he did it and why he did it? Because a lot of Bible authors don't do that at the beginning of their letters or books. Why does Luke give us so much detail about how he goes about this and creating this record of the life of Jesus? And I'm just gonna summarize it this way. Luke is for doubters. Don't you see that? And why he's writing this down for Theophilus, a friend of God, could also be a doubter. He knows these things, but he needs certainty. You know, the fact of the matter is, it's, it's, it only takes genuine faith to become a Christian, not strong faith. But often our faith is like, it's rickety, isn't it? Something happens, or we read something. We experience something, and our, our faith can be shaken, or we see something for the first time in the Bible, and we're like, whoa, I've never thought about that, or, that, or, or it even creates a challenge in your spirit. And eventually, you know, like Christianity, the faith that we live, it's more than just a fuzzy feeling about God and, you know, like the whole universe and how it all comes together. Um, sometimes you're just at a low point in your faith and, like, you have these inner doubts. And it's just like it shakes you. You had this way of thinking of how life was or how people are and who God is and something happens and you can't put the pieces together. Sometimes you just want to believe and make it simple, and yet you can't. Some of you may be sitting here today, you're not a Christian, and you're like, you know, all my friends are Christians. I love Christians. Maybe you're saying that, I don't know. But like, um, you know, I love coming to church, but 
Like I just keep God at a distance because man, I wanna believe, I wish I could, but like I have all these questions. We doubt. There's different versions of it, but we all doubt and Luke helps us as doubters. Sometimes I describe myself, as, even as a pastor, as a loyal doubter. Sometimes I'd like, I don't get it, and I keep putting one foot in front of the other. And there's still a lot I don't get. This, this account of Jesus' life is written by a Gentile for a Gentile audience. And that, that's like a... You know, that might seem, you know, we, you may, you don't understand the full weight of that, but this is someone who is not raised with the Jewish tradition, which Christianity comes from. He, he probably maybe doesn't have, a Gentile doesn't have all the background that, that theology is built on. He doesn't know specifically who David is and Abraham and all these famous people. He's been raised in a culture as a physician, probably in an educated home, in a wealthy home, a privileged home, where education and science and anatomy and illnesses and medicine are part of his daily walk. He's a very educated person, and yet he needs someone to help him, as smart as he is, to put all the pieces together. So... This is one reason why I think Luke is so explicit about how he puts this together because as with Theophilus, his account can give us certainty. What's coming out of that is the idea, this idea that Christianity is built on facts. That's what he's telling us. These things that he's writing down he is researched thoroughly as a man of science. And he's saying these things are true and these things will help you. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. And you guys, have, you've heard uh, the phrase blind faith. There's no blind faith. That's not faith. When we're just blind about our faith, that's, it's really just imagination. And so, if you're a person who's exploring the claims of Christianity, and you say, you know, I, I don't get it. Luke's account is really going to help you. If you're a Christian already, and yet you, which is normal, to bump up into doubts and, and to rethink things that you've thought, Luke is going to help you. Luke serves not just, he doesn't just give us certainty, but he serves as a model for us who claim Jesus today. Um, because it's not just Luke's content that's important. It's the spirit in which how he shares his content. We have never lived, I've never lived, in a culture that is more confused about who God is. Christianity is being conflated with so many other things. And there's a deep misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian today. And, and generations are growing up far, far removed 
from any knowledge of Scripture. This is the most ignorant generation on Scripture in all of history, at least in America. And so understanding things of faith becomes a greater challenge. And people are operating based on what they think is the truth or you know, what they've been raised with as faith or truth or, or non-faith in particular. And there's a lot of ways that the church can address that. As a church, as a people, as a Christian, as an individual, I love Luke's way. He comes from a place of being well-informed and understanding things of faith and organizing them in his head and making an investment in that. And he's not yelling. He's not condemning. He's not categorizing or labeling people. He's putting together the story of Jesus and showing them how that applies to their life today. And I think, how wonderful would it be if we did that? What if, what if we, not just me, you, us, churches, Christians, what if we took the same content as Luke, we took our faith that is built on Scripture and the things that we know about God, and then we took the spirit in which he did it as well, into our culture, into our family, to the people around us, so that we could say to them, you know, I know that your life has been totally different. And you, you, it's like, yeah, you don't grasp the things of faith. I, I get that. How can I help you get certainty? I think that'd be really helpful. Because in the end, that's, that's what we all need, right? And what's wonderful is we have this beautiful account by someone who took the time to do that so that not just Theophilus, but you and me and all the generations between us and that time can stand on the certainty of these things that we believe, the certainty of who Jesus is. It is so sweet to be able to trust in Jesus in that way. Why don't we stand and sing that together? Hey everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. We hope you'll listen in again next week, but in the meantime, keep helping people find and follow Jesus.